This is MuggleCast, the Harry Potter podcast discussing everything about J.K. Rowling's Wizarding World. Welcome to MuggleCast, episode 367. I'm Andrew. I'm Eric. And I'm Micah. We are coming off our fun trip to New York where we saw The Cursed Child on Broadway. We saw it days before it went on to receive tons of Tony Award nominations. Yeah, that was fast. Yeah, it was kind of cool to see it right before it picked up all these Tony noms, in my opinion. How does that work, though? Because the show is only on Broadway for the public for, what, a couple days? Well, there's a lot of funny business, but also I think the preview counts. Yeah. Um, the way the way Pottermore described it is that uh, The Cursed Child had opened last month, or like, I don't know, the previous month depending on what the nose I I there whatever the award submission like period is cursed child made the deadline probably by it. like yeah. the last day and the okay. other thing is they have to invite tony award producers i believe it is to the show so they probably invited them very early so they could be eligible so here's a question i have i haven't done a whole lot of reading up on this but is it nominated as the entirety of Cursed Child or part one, part two? How does that work? Oh, the entirety. <laughs> what well, That would be funny if, if part one and part two best received nominations, both yeah. received nominations for best play. <sighs> okay, that's that is actually really funny. Um, so, but yeah, yeah. It, yeah, it received 10 nominations, including best play, best leading actor in a play, Jamie Parker as Harry Potter. Best Featured Actor and Actress in a Play, Anthony Boyle, who's Scorpius, Noma, Dumas Wenny, who is Hermione, and Best Direction, John Tiffany. Um, Katrina Lindsay was nominated for Best Costume Design, Christine Jones for Best Scenic Design, Neil Austin for Best Lighting. Lighting is really impressive in this because that's where they hide a lot of the magic. So I really hope that they win there. Yeah, Neil, um, yeah for sure. Neil definitely needs to take one of these home. Come on, Neil. And then Stephen Hoggett for best choreography, and finally Gareth Fry for best sound design. Yeah, I'm interested in a lot of these technical awards. I want to see Cursed Child pick them up because it is a remarkable feat. I'm still, I'm still telling people like I have no idea how they did that stuff on stage. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, I, I totally agree. I would say that these awards that you just mentioned are probably the areas where, if they don't win, I don't know who's going to because. Nobody does what they do on stage. It's just yeah, impossible. I mean, because if you read all the reviews, you saw every, all the publicity that came out of the, you know, the opening of Cursed Child. Every person talked about the experience, right? The story, yeah. not as much, but yeah. just the effects, the magic. So, yeah. well, from uh, what I understand, the SpongeBob yeah. play is also quite magical. The what? Um, the SpongeBob musical. Uh, that's on Broadway right now, which I really yeah. want to see. By the way, it, <laughs> I it, think it'll be. I think it'll be really good. It but does I, get good. It has been getting great reviews. My brother saw it and loved it. I know a couple of big SpongeBob fans. Like, who isn't a SpongeBob fan? I well, that's a good question. But also, <laughs> uh, the way that I'm hearing a lot of the people talk about Cursed Child and the Tony Award nominations is that it is sort of a slow year. For Broadway, like besides mm. the SpongeBob musical and Cursed Child and maybe one or two others, 
there doesn't seem to be a lot of buzz going around for certain plays. Like, you know, in the past, there's been like Hamilton was just, you know, literally took the world by storm. Um, and I think that, you know, a lack of competition uh, may work in Cursed Child's favor as well, in addition to all of the very real achievements that the production has and and yeah and good good work for noma and jamie and anthony as well i would like to see them all win as well oh there was actually a, an 11th tony they were nominated for uh anthony boyle nominated for best persistent screaming throughout an entire uh, oh. play. oh i think he'll pick <laughs> that one up i think thank you so much his, his you want some of my sweets <laughs> <laughs> that was actually pretty good. Have you been practicing? <laughs> well, you just, no, you just spent time. 10 hours in a theater listening to it the last week. Yeah, that's week. right. Your yeah. total hour so, count is now at 10 sitting inside the Lyric 15. Theater. So since yeah, our last we... episode, I did see it another time. I, As luck would have it, I, I got tickets on behalf of Hypable. So I took my boyfriend, who's a huge Harry Potter fan, and we had, we had a blast. I actually, so I would, going into it, Seeing it <laughs> second time in a week, I thought it might feel like a drag, but I genuinely enjoyed it. And because of that magic that we keep talking about, like it's just a thrill to sit there and try to figure out how they're doing it and just to witness it before your own eyes. Yeah. yeah. So I, I it actually wasn't painful for me. I, I had a lot of fun. And that said, I probably won't see it again for years. If ever, <laughs> but you well, saw how, it from a different perspective, right? The where you were sitting was different from when you went with us, and I wondered, like, did you try and look for different things, given that you were in a different spot, see if you could catch anything? And, I was and actually work? trying to catch the poly juice, but that was still difficult to tell. I, I'm pretty sure they're coming up from underneath the stage because I actually could see behind them this time. So it's definitely uh, they're not definitely not walking in from behind. Oh, geez. I will also mention the Cursed Child Theater, the Lyric Theater, has this excellent service where they will deliver drinks and food directly to your seat for no extra cost. And these people are walking around the theater at the beginning of the show during intermissions, and you can order from them, charge, pay for it right there using their iPhone, and then they will bring a drink to you. And this is so great because, A, no extra cost despite the convenience and B the lines are so long to get drinks, especially during intermission. This takes that BS out of the equation. So if you are going to see the play, I highly recommend using one of these people who are standing around waiting to uh, place orders because there's no extra. I assume there would be an extra cost for the convenience, but there isn't. There's just, you can add a tip if you want. Yeah. No, that's that's really useful. Mm-hmm. Like you said, the lines are long, and and God, I'm just thinking though, if somebody had like pass a drink over to where we were sitting together, the uh, people next to me who were all jerks would have flipped out. <laughs> that's true. I I was sitting on the aisle this second time, so I don't know what that would be like. But <sighs> they gave me crap every time that I had to like get up or go out. Yeah, they got to calm know. down. That's theater life. We were like ten seats in too, but I mean, yeah. yeah. It it just uh, was sort of a nightmare. So this sounds great. I did want to ask because you were in like 
front row balcony, weren't yeah, you? Yeah, like, the dress circle. They were really good to me. I didn't <sighs> deserve those tickets. <laughs> and I had nobody in front of me. I had extra leg room. I was right on the aisle. It was perfect. Oh, it's like you're flying first class. Yeah, I know. Yeah. That's I. That's why I I probably enjoyed it the second time more because I was just so comfortable too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But but I did want to ask, and we talked about this on our last episode reviewing it. But how was the view of the Dementors at the end of part one? Oh yeah, that was cool. Um, the ones flying around above. Yeah, that yeah. was. Yeah, it was. It was a nice little treat for the people up above. That's cool. You know? Did you try and grab a Dementor? No, I think I would have been kicked out, thrown out. Well, no, yeah. I mean to. You were sitting in first class, so maybe they let you do that. <laughs> you can pet it. <laughs> pet a dementor. Yeah, okay. I, w- I wanted to also add, though, in the like two or three days between shows, they added Hogwarts merchandise, which might be my favorite Cursed Child merchandise. There is a $40 Hogwarts pillow. There is also now a red Hogwarts t-shirt and hoodie. And I bought the hoodie, $60, because... I love this Hogwarts logo that they use in the Cursed Child. And I'm so glad that they did this because like, yeah, the house merchandise is cool, but sometimes I just want a generic Hogwarts thing instead of a specific house. Right. So definitely check that out if you're if you're going. Um, I did overhear them mention that it was brand new. I don't know why it got added after opening, but yeah, that was kind of sad (laughs) like i left i left new york on thursday and visited the gift shop on thursday and the grand opening was sunday so you know they had like within a week to get that merchandise there and it was not there Mm, yeah Um, i will say i did find out that you can in fact if you show up on a random day or in the middle of you know the week or when part one hasn't just finished uh, to the gift shop, which is open, I, I assume, normal business hours and in, in, in addition to when the play is going on, you can actually ask and they will get you a um, hashtag keep the secrets like a part two style uh, design T-shirt. So they don't they don't store because we mentioned they change up some of the merchandise between parts one and two when they're playing. You can actually get part two merchandise. I asked Um but they just won't display it during regular, like oh, during you're the day. saying the the Voldemort Day, yeah, shirt. yeah. You can you can get that shirt. Okay. Uh, I already I had bought it, but I like I went in and I was like, hey, um, I'm not seeing a shirt. I know it exists. <laughs> yeah, uh, can I get in there? And they're like, we don't talk about this. There was like one other person at the other end of the store, and the and the 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 cashier was just like, Ooh, we don't talk about it, but we can work <laughs> it out. Um, so they will sell like for anybody who's interested or has seen the designs for this, uh, part two shirt, you can get it during any time. You just got to ask it's special and be all secretive and crap. We did buy some Voldemort day, uh, stickers and a pin that will be a Patreon giveaway later this month and, Mm -hmm. uh, throw in a couple keep the secrets buttons as well. Yeah. Anything else you guys want to say about Chris child? Congratulations on the nominations <laughs> for the Tonys. When After the you Tony? slept on the Cursed Child, did you continue to feel good about it? I continue to tell. I continue to stand by. I think our episode was was the uh, definitive everything I'm ever going to say about Cursed Child. Like um, it, the production surprised even me, um, but the story is still garbage. Final thoughts on Cursed Child, though. I would just go back to what I said on the last episode in terms of 
really echoing what Eric just said about the story, but the production is definitely something I think Potter fans should go and see. It's a time commitment. It is not inexpensive uh, unless you can get those Friday 40 deals. So that's certainly understandable. But I think if you're a big fan of the series, it's, it's worth checking out. Yeah. And, and, the actors, again, like Jamie Parker in particular, really, really, really enjoyed his Harry. Yeah. Um, especially as the play went on, it was really, really good. Yeah. Don't want to be dismissive of you know, the the effort that the cast and crew put into it because uh, they do an amazing job. It's just yeah. the plot I mean, is that's, not... I mean, that's the thing, though. It's not just five hours of dialogue, although it's five hours of dialogue. It's also the choreography, where they have to be at any given time, the magic effects that they're actually achieving by allowing themselves to be lifted up on wires and shoved up through the floor, you know, any kind of – It's the whole production is just an amazing feat. And each and every one of these actors is is doing two or three times the work of any other actor. Um, So it's really impressive. Okay, we got a lot to discuss still on today's show. We got some news to talk about, and then there were, we're also going to review Hogwarts Mystery, the new Harry Potter game that came out for iOS and Android. And then we got a bunch of voicemails to play. I actually Great. started playing Hogwarts Mystery at the top of the show. I'm still trying to power up enough to are, get through. Are you serious? <laughs> no, I'm not. Oh. It was a funny joke. It was a joke. Oh, yeah, I get it, I think. Yeah, you, you will. I mean, we got enough <laughs> comments about it. <laughs> <laughs> So actually, speaking of Cursed Child, J.K. Rowling decided to drop a bit of cool information while she was seeing the Cursed Child open on Broadway last week. Um, she was sitting with Fantastic Beast newcomer Jessica Williams, who you might know from The Daily Show. And I think we've spoken about her before, definitely when she was cast. She's a huge Harry Potter fan. And uh, she also loves The Sims video games. So J.K. Rowling and her, long story short, have bonded over Harry Potter and The Sims video game. (laughs) (laughs) And so J.K. Rowling took a picture with Jessica Williams in between parts one and two. And she tweeted, Professor Professor Eulalie Hicks of Ilvermorny School of Witchcraft and Wizardry with some random woman during the interval of Cursed Child NYC. So right there, boom, we learned for the first time who Jessica Williams is playing. It's an Elvermorny professor. I'm blown away. This was not at all what I was expecting at all whatsoever. Yeah. Why? And then she said in a second tweet, you only see a hint of Lily in Fantastic Beasts 2. Her true glory is revealed in Fantastic Beasts 3. Hmm. I I didn't expect that we'd be going back to Elvermorny or right. seeing Elvermorny or having anything to do with Elvermorny, we know that it is the, the school that produced Queenie and Tina, but I, I had no expectations for us to ever meet a teacher from that school or or anything. So it really kind of calls into question for me my own personal, you know, how I thought the series was going in, in a good way. Like, I'm I'm very excited about this. So I guess one question is, because we didn't see it going this way, I agree with you, because we've we've heard that each movie could be set in a different country entirely. Yeah. Could it be a flashback that we see professor Laley in and maybe it's involving Queena, <laughs> Queena, Queenie and Tina and maybe mm-hmm. an unknown, 
American wizard that we haven't met yet who also went to Elvermorny. It's possible. I would say, though, if she's playing a major role in in the third film, she's likely to exist in the present as well. Yeah. Mm. Unless three is completely going back. All backstory. In in time. But uh, I would say, though, that just because she is an Ilvermorny professor doesn't necessarily mean that we see Ilvermorny, doesn't necessarily mean that we're going back to America for any reason. Very true. She could be traveling internationally she could be part of a team that tina or queenie or even newt uh mm. brings together i who, who's to say she's even a, on on the good side of things either we don't know uh just That's because true. she teaches we know plenty of teachers that have had some issues over the years <laughs> with their moral compass <laughs> yeah with their alignment exactly exactly so uh oh this this is an interesting one and more so in the sense that she's saying that she'll have a, a larger role in the third film. I feel like that was being a little bit dismissive of her character for Fantastic Beasts 2. I, but I, yeah, but I'm, um, I'm just so interested in seeing where it goes and knowing that Jessica Williams is such a huge Harry Potter fan. I think it's, and that her and JK Rowling, like this is how JK Rowling spent her time between parts one and two on Sunday was hanging out with Jessica Williams. That's pretty cool. I I think Micah, what JK Rowling may have been hinting at is that we're just not going to see much of her in the second movie. Maybe, you know, we'll only get a couple scenes, a couple quick glimpses of the character. Right. That's why. Maybe like uh, how Newt had the photo of Zoe Kravitz of Lita Lestrange uh, played by Zoe Kravitz. Maybe Queenie or Tina are going to have a portrait of their favorite uh, Ilvermorny professor. Right. You know, Lally. Maybe she tweeted this not to get people too excited about seeing her in the second one because then we go into the movie and then we come out of it and we're like, well, where's Jessica Williams? She was in it for 10 seconds. Yeah. And, you know, who knows what the final film is going to look like by the time they actually edit it. You got to think there's so many characters and J.K. Rowling's mind tends to run rampant <laughs> with ideas that a lot could be left on the cutting room floor. I mean, that whole Circus Arcanus thing seemed to get 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 cut out in the first one. Like, that's true. Yeah, I, I think the the key piece of this is is the mention of Ilvermorny, though. Going back yeah. to Eric, what you said yeah. um, at the top of of this discussion, and and just that she's going to continue to play a role moving forward yeah and what is do we know anything about the hicks family and i I feel like i'm channeling potter more here but uh (laughs) what what can we figure out about it uh probably not a whole lot of anything at this Mm -hmm. point but has there been any mention somewhere on potter more over the years about hicks somebody named hicks yeah i don't know uh, I don't think so. I uh, final point I would make is we still really haven't seen Ilvermorny at all. We were expecting to see to see it in the first movie, given how much information was unveiled on Pottermore. So maybe here's our answer to why they did release so much information because we were going to get Ilvermorny later, just not in movie one. I. Yeah. I do think it would be a little bit of a disappointment to have a professor from that school. Yeah. And then given all of the 
exposure that we've gotten to it over the course of the last couple of years to not see it on screen in some capacity. Especially because yeah. we're going back to Hogwarts now, you know, right. like it's just like, show us the other school. Maybe somehow she's in touch with Hogwarts regularly and that's how she could get involved starting in movie two and then more in movie three. Like maybe Dumbledore interacts with her in movie two. Yeah. Maybe they're maybe they're maybe they're fellow uh, maybe they're fellow defense against the dark arts teachers. Ah, what <laughs> a good transition! Yeah. So, um, there's this annual convention of sorts called CinemaCon in Las Vegas. It's for movie exhibitors, like mm. the the movie exhibitor chains like AMC and Regal and all these other ones. And they all gather and the studios present the films that are coming up. So, um. The the goal is for the studios to uh, show off their upcoming films so that the theaters will run their movies on as many screens as possible. They want to woo them with cool footage and and stars appearing. They, it, it's like Comic-Con, but less crazy because it's not fans. It's just the business side of it. <laughs> yeah. Um, I love going to it because... <laughs> It's actually manageable, and you see what movies are coming up in the year ahead. You get cool previews. Warner Brothers did bring out most of the Fantastic Beasts cast, and uh, they unveiled a couple new clips from Crimes of Grindelwald, including this one where it hasn't been released online, and it probably won't. Maybe we'll see it in a trailer, but stuff that premieres at CinemaCon tends to not be released to the public. It's just for movie exhibitors and the press who are attending. Um, there is a flashback scene in which Hogwarts professor Albus Dumbledore teaches a class the ridiculous spell, and Newt is there as a student. Mm. We don't know if it was Eddie Renmain or a younger actor. We know a younger Newt was cast, so that's possible, or maybe digitally altered. Right. Um, but he faces a Bogart, and it turns into a desk because he's afraid of working an office job. <laughs> that's a little on the nose. <laughs> Right, so it's like introducing Newt in his early years. I don't want to be inside. I want to be outdoors discovering beasts. I'll write a book someday. Mm -hmm. And then we, um, they actually saw a little bit of Nicholas Flamel as well, and Jacob interacts with them and quips that you don't look a day over 375. (laughs) He's like 600 at the time. Yeah. Um, that's funny. So this is interesting. This seems to confirm what the trailer hinted that Dumbledore is a defense against the dark arts teacher because in the trailer we saw him in the DADA classroom. classroom. Now yeah. we're seeing him teach a DADA spell. Lupin taught that spell in Prisoner of Azkaban. What gives, guys? <sighs> Substitute yeah. teacher. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, maybe for the purposes of this film series he will be the dada teacher right or maybe I mean, he's he perfect for it he's before transfiguration yeah it's just i i always did um like the idea that dumbledore was a transfiguration expert or enough to teach it you know i i liked that idea because it wasn't well explained we don't see dumbledore actively transfiguring anything so far as i can tell i mean he pokes Slughorn and gets Slughorn out of the chair. But other than that, you know, Dumbledore and Transfiguration was always a mystery. And so rather than exploring him teaching Transfiguration, 
Joe has made it so he's teaching Diadia instead. Okay, all right. But where's all this knowledge that he has that I want to tap into about Transfiguration? Because we've seen plenty of Diadia stuff um, through the seven years of Hogwarts, but not so much Transfiguration. And I was interested in getting to the bottom of that. True. I think that it could just be a situation where it's important for us to see Newt in that moment knowing what his true fear is, perhaps learning that spell for future use. And it makes sense for the purpose of the film to have Dumbledore be the one who teaches it to him. Yeah, that's a really good point. And also the way movies work, right? It's those character moments, like you're saying, that the Dumbledore-Newt relationship could grow in that scene, and that would be important to the plot later. Exactly. If 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 you're going to bring in Galatia Merrythought, right, as professor in this particular moment, nobody's going to know who she is. <laughs> right. Galatia Merrythought. She's the Defense Against the Dark Arts teacher. Yeah, during yeah. During this time. Cool it's as It's going to be a random person, whereas you can have Dumbledore. And, and another part of this is it could help to solidify whatever relationship it is that's being built between Newt and Dumbledore. Mm-hmm. and people are just more familiar with defense against the dark arts right if they're in a transfiguration classroom how many fans of the series do you think know outside of you know the diehards the ones that listen to podcasts that dumbledore taught transfiguration mm-hmm. if they What's change it what, up how what? many people are actually gonna be like no he taught well, if the nobody's going to be that way, but I think it, it's a missed opportunity for for Joe to double down and be like, these are the cool things Dumbledore can do with Transfiguration, right? He's like he, you know, for other for the people who know he taught it, that's an extra bonus. But for audiences everywhere, they get treated to learning about a new branch of magic that's not really touched on very much in the books. But Snape so. is a substitute teacher for Lupin. In, in Prisoner of Azkaban. So it's not right. all that uncommon that you have that happen for that particular class. I mean, think about the werewolf class, mm. right? I mean, that's a huge class given the plot of that book. Yeah. Maybe it's important that Dumbledore teach this to Newt given what may happen down the line. Yeah, I just think it's funny that it's another film that's going to be talking about a ridiculous spell. <laughs> because it's such such a funny joke about like being what whatever that word is it's like a pun or mm. I don't know this class is ridiculous. What do you think, Andrew? Uh, I, I'm with you in that uh, you presented the idea that maybe he was a DADA teacher before Transfiguration. That's the one I'm buying. J.K. Rowling is very aware that I think a lot of fans do know that he used to be Transfiguration teacher. That's the way we've always heard it. So I don't think she's just going to turn around and be like, oh, just kidding. It was actually D.A.D.A. I think she's working in something where she I don't I don't want to I don't want the substitute thing. I think that's kind of dumb. That's like too convenient. I want he was a D.A.D.A. teacher before or after being a transfiguration teacher that mm-hmm. that I can buy and accept. I have seen a lot of people actually say get get a little worried like hey what the heck we have always known him as a transfiguration teacher i don't like that she's changing things for the purpose of this movie mm-hmm. actually though i wonder if 
he removes himself from being defense against the dark arts teacher after right. all of this with Grindelwald. Maybe just given his history and his, you know, desire for the hallows, maybe he, he doesn't trust himself to be in this position to teach defense against the dark arts anymore. Maybe what happens with Tom Riddle has him pivot and shift away from this position and he teaches transfiguration afterwards. Yeah. As like a safe kind of subject or safe alternative. I can I mean, see Dumbledore that being is, yeah, a possibility as well. Dumbledore is one of the characters that I think could probably teach any subject and be good at it. So that, that counts for something. You could also argue that Dumbledore teaching a transfiguration teacher could be teaching the ridiculous spell because there is transformation going on. Oh, and Boggarts. Yeah. Yeah. It's true and enough. By the way, just looking at this shot from the trailer of Dumbledore in the DADA classroom, all the desks are push, pushed aside. Presumably, that's because they were doing the Boggart training. Interesting. Maybe. Maybe. Yeah, maybe. And then, I feel like I'm just completely destroying all my theories that I'm throwing out there, but it does say that, um, you know, Mary thought was there until 1945, which uh, is a curious time for her to stop being DADA teacher, but mm-hmm. that would remove the possibility that Dumbledore served in this post for a long time. Yeah. She started in 18... I have to look it back up, but she started it in, in, in the 1800s in that position. So, Oh, oh okay. I wasn't really aware of that whole Let's see. timeline. That's a little frustrating mm-hmm. then. We'll see. She how was she... a witch and professor of defense against the dark arts from around 1895 to 1945, holding the position for nearly 50 years. Then this isn't the one the Mary thought that wanted to spend more time with their remaining limbs. Was that a, that was a different? I think that's Mary Weather. Over on Patreon, we got a bunch of people listening live right now, which we love. Um, Sam says the name Eulalie Hicks translates to brave and well-spoken leader. All right, so let's. Oh, we still have one more news item today. So uh, we just passed the twentieth anniversary of the Battle of Hogwarts. I can't believe it's been twenty years. It, it feels like yesterday, but believe it or not, <laughs> it has been twenty years since that awful day. And uh, as has become <laughs> tradition, J.K. Rowling has apologized for killing off a particular character. Previous years, she apologized for. Uh, Fred, that was in 2015. That was the first year she started this. In 2016, she apologized for Lupin. In 2017, she apologized for Snape. 2018, the apology is for Dobby. She says, while he didn't die during the Battle of Hogwarts, he laid down his life to save the people who'd win it. So, all right. I mean, you know, this is just like a fun little tradition she has going on. I like it. I I was actually looking forward to it on May 1st. I was like, oh, damn, we're at that time of year already where J.K. Rowling is going to I saw you tweet her. I saw you tweet her and remind her, like, hey, just FYI. I mean, she probably has me muted, so I doubt she saw that tweet, but a lot of people liked it. So, yeah, it was good. You didn't keep the secrets. (laughs) Worm daily, that's probably, uh, Mm -hmm. gosh. Mm -hmm. But um, I know I've said this. Year in and year out, when we've gotten to this point, um, I'm not a huge fan of this. I don't think you need to apologize for things that you wrote 
right. I understand <laughs> the idea behind it. Uh, Dobby is is an interesting one because it it is outside of the actual battle itself, but he's clearly integral to keeping certain characters safe. The one well, thing that I thought of was Bellatrix must be really good at darts. <laughs> what? <laughs> to, well, no, to to throw that dagger so precisely. Mm. I just well, yeah, lucky shot. Yeah, I don't know, but yeah, it is it is interesting. I mean, I think some of our listeners were looking, and me as well, were looking forward to an apology for Lavender Brown. Always. I've just given up on that one, though. It's just, yeah, you're never going to get that answer anytime soon. Yeah. yeah. So I don't know what's going on. She might have a spinoff series coming. <laughs> Surprise. Something. Yeah. She's alive, and Dumbledore taught DADA. Um, <laughs> so, what is the purpose of this yearly apology? I It's just for fun. I don't think anybody should take it very seriously. It's just like, sorry, not sorry. You yeah. Know I, mean, I mean, it was a. And Joker, I think the first year she did it, she's like, okay, I'm going to do something now where I'm sorry for like, on this anniversary. I think of the people I, the characters I killed and sorry for Fred. And then it just became a thing. People are holding her accountable. I'm sad that she went straight to Dobby, who, as she points out, did not die in the battle when so many other characters like Tonks and Lupin, for instance, did I mean, there's 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 always going to be a hierarchy for each individual person of who you want her to apologize for. Like people are just like, you know, this character was my favorite and you killed them and just say sorry. It'll make it better. And like, again, it's all fiction, right? It's all made up. But, you know, people really did develop a connection to these characters. I think Lupin is I mean, behind serious Lupin is my favorite Harry Potter character and. You know, it, it, an apology maybe will make me feel a little bit better in in a year or two or whenever she gets around to to Lupin. Though she should probably apologize for Hedwig first because that was just unnecessary. <laughs> Could you imagine George R. R. Martin doing something like that? <laughs> no, no, it, it, not at all. Who would you like him to apologize for, Micah? Well, uh, spoilers. Or, I mean, do do I well, need to? Yeah, be I don't careful know. about what I say. Uh, Actually, I would say Robert Baratheon, and and it's actually more so because of the way uh, Mark Addy played him in the series. That there's just yeah not a more jovial um, character uh, mm. on that show. I don't think. Although, actually, another one I would add to that list would be uh, Oberyn Martell. I think you should apologize for yeah. that. Yeah, probably the most. I'm actually I'm with you. Scene on television. I'm with you 100. percent um, but I think one other thing she could do here is she could, instead of being apologetic, maybe give a little bit more context to those that survived the battle. You know, talk about the characters that, you know, made it through and, and what they're doing now. I don't think there's probably enough of that, uh, even on Pottermore. Yeah. So twisting yeah, it around could... a little bit instead of, yeah, she, yeah. Instead of being apologetic. Yeah. Well, it is it is just a fun annual thing, but I I kind of agree. Like she could do a seven part series or seven part story, rather like a brief short story of a couple paragraphs long each year that she adds to of like what the immediate aftermath was of the Battle of Hogwarts. But true, I don't know. Yeah, we, I don't, we don't get enough of that. I have to toot my own horn for a second. Last year, just for fun, I made a wish list of 
people she should kill next. And Dobby was on that list of five. So oh. I think she listened to my list. You mean people should people she should apologize for killing? You said people she should kill next. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. Sorry. Apologize for. Yeah. 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 Who uh, else was on the list? Dumbledore. Oh. That, that one. Come on. Yeah. Uh, Lavender Brown, because yeah. always. Uh, Hagrid's flobber worms. Those poor flobber worms were killed after they ate lettuce. They f- were fed too much lettuce by Hagrid. Mm. They deserve an apology. We all deserve an apology for that one. What a way to go. And finally, Tonks, who we definitely know is dead. But we need to hear an apology for her. <laughs> and then at the end, I added bonus, the cursed child. <laughs> <laughs> J.K. Rowling should apologize for killing the hopes and dreams we had for the cursed child. Wow. <laughs> I should delete that one. Yeah. I'd say you uh, probably feel that differently about that now. It didn't age well. I've evolved over the past year. Yeah. 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 All right. So let's talk about Hogwarts mystery. This was a big deal in the lead up to it because there is now this uh group at Warner Brothers that is putting together Harry Potter games in conjunction with video game developers mm. in the case of Hogwarts Mystery they worked with Jam City and it was initially marketed as you now have your Hogwarts letter you're about to go through all 7 years at Hogwarts um you get to explore, you get to cast spells and do all this cool stuff. It's been out for about a week and a half now. What do you guys think of Hogwarts Mystery? I am enjoying it so far. I can't say that I have gotten terribly far along. I believe I'm still in the first year of Hogwarts for reasons we will discuss. It takes a little bit of time to get through everything. Um, But, you know, I think from the get-go, there's a lot of fun to be had in the beginning. Creating a character, choosing a house, just getting a feel for the gameplay mechanics. I think the intro to, like, how the game is going to work is pretty well handled. The little tutorials that are showing you, you know, what to do. Now, it doesn't necessarily ever really get out of that state. I'm still being guided on the screen what to click, what to do, you know, throughout kind of the 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 first year. Maybe that'll go away a little bit more and it'll be a little bit more, I don't know, where you can do more exploring kind of thing. But for now, it's, you know, been a series of classes and exercises. And the big takeaways for me are the music is good. The animation is is fun and kind of the Hogwarts that we know. And that alone is is it's just interesting and the story that they're trying to weave here with your character's brother and things it's coming out so far it's a pretty good effort to create a story that realistically could have happened at hogwarts in the 1980s i I genuinely think it was like a cool concept and i'm not at the point where the game has like frustrated me into like not playing further some people are a little frustrated but i i'm I'm still enjoying the game. I'm just you just kind of gotta go into it be, being prepared to go at a slower pace. I think. Yeah, I'm with you on the graphics. I re- I really like the animation, um, and it's cool to see Hogwarts like this 
on yeah. your phone. You can just pick it up and play it at any time and like, oh, now I'm in the Slytherin common room. Oh, now I'm in the Great Hall. I love how the Great Hall is so long, by the way. Like you have to scroll a bunch of times to get from one end <laughs> to the other. Like I thought that was very smart. It's fun to be at Hogwarts during a calm period as well. Yeah. It because, you know, whenever we see Hogwarts, it's like there's something going on. Voldemort's <laughs> coming back or Fantastic Beasts, like there's there's trouble afoot. Um, so this is nice to just be at Hogwarts during a normal time where everything is okay. Yeah. However, <laughs> well, my, Micah, what are your thoughts on it? I agree with most of what you both said. I I, I think the graphics are uh, very well done. I do like the ability to explore Hogwarts. It seems like you need to unlock certain areas. Mm. You can't just kind of stroll into Dumbledore's office whenever you feel like. Right. Or, you know, the Slytherin common room if you're a Ravenclaw. One thing that I was surprised by is that you could actually select your house. There really wasn't too much that went into the sorting. Mm. You didn't have to answer questions to kind of determine which house you wanted to go into. It was just kind of, hey, which one do you want to be in? And Boom, the sorting hat selected you for that house. Yeah. Uh, I do like, and I'm assuming you know, you guys can tell me which houses you ended up picking, although I can probably guess. But like with Ravenclaw, <laughs> you you do have sort of that one-on-one interaction with Flitwick. And oh. I'm guessing that it's the same for the other three houses that you do get that interaction with the heads of house. And you learn some things about them that maybe you know, if you hadn't read Pottermore, you didn't know. So like it's mentioned that Flitwick used to be a dueling champion. So you go to him to learn how to duel so that you can mm-hmm. deal with this pain in the butt Slytherin that's <laughs> yeah, Marula you. or Marula. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So <laughs> that, that was actually one question I was going to ask is, and we can kind of figure this out from talking to each other is the story, the same for everybody even though we all know okay there's clearly something that's going on with your brother but the 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 pathway to kind of get to figuring out what that is is it is it the same regardless of which house you're in i think i think it is yeah so far and i but that that takes sort of a, a level of skill as well in the writing and the planning to be able to set a mystery at Hogwarts that regardless of whether your character is male or female or in any one of the houses that you have this, you know, it's just like, Oh, everybody, no matter what character you chose and what the house they're in is investigating their brother's disappearance. Um, Mm -hmm. And they'll have a best friend probably named Rowan in both cases. Is your guy's best friend named Rowan? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And I think, I think I saw on somebody else's that Rowan's a girl. If you're a girl, it is. You know what I mean? Yeah, I have a girl yeah. character, actually. Oh, and, you do? And, oh, mine's a guy. And Rowan's a girl. Yeah, absolutely. And you're a Hufflepuff, um, I'm assuming. A Hufflepuff, yeah. But, a Hufflepuff girl. Her name is Autumn Watson. Did, um, but are you interacting with Sprout? Uh, I Yeah, I've seen exactly like you said, the intro to the house. Like, I've, I've had a, an interaction with Sprout so far. Um, but I haven't gotten to the point where we're learning to duel. I actually used my book smarts and, uh, told Marula that I wasn't going to duel her in the first time. And so she kind of walked away, but flippendoed me, 
and I fell on my butt. And that was like the last thing but I did in the game. But you're yeah. not going to herbology on a regular basis, though. You're going to charms for the most part and potions, or how is that working? Um, I will find out more. I haven't. I the only the, I class I attended three flying lessons because I was really into flying. Um, <laughs> okay, but that's I another been to more classes class yet. you can go to. But yeah, Andrew, what about for you? Did you do Slytherin? Uh, yes, I did do Slytherin, and uh, I've been in the Flitwick classroom. Uh, that's mainly it. Uh, I did some flying lessons. I don't know. I think we all kind of go the same direction, except mm. for, you know, which house you're checking into. Right. There's got to be some differences, though. It it can't all be identical. Well, it's not. But I mean, like, again, in the writing, like, Marula comes over uh, and is like, you know, I heard I read up on your brother and and he was a disgrace to Hufflepuff house. That same line of dialogue would be he was a disgrace to Slytherin house yeah. or he was a disgrace, right. you know, Um but if you're in Slytherin, is Marula a Slytherin or is she a Gryffindor? Slytherin. What's okay? Still, so no matter what, she is a Slytherin. But mm-hmm. you don't get along with her then, right? No, you don't. Oh, that's cr- <laughs> so, so. She just yeah, picks so on you as a fellow Slytherin. Yeah, she's yeah, she's the enemy. No matter what uh, house you're in, that's oh, interesting. Antagonist. That's so yeah. interesting. She's so mean, and I mean, a lot of people have been talking about this. <laughs> yeah uh online and in the chat right now i have a feeling you're gonna end up friends with her in some way oh i wonder and so so and as april's pointing out right now potions charms and flying are the year one classes okay well that makes sense yeah i i will say it is my greatest pleasure uh reading and having access to our patrons only facebook group because people are excoriating uh marula (laughs) They're just, they're just really like everybody's screenshotting their game when we're all, you know, people are playing along, yeah. and yeah. there's just a lot of funny cutscenes and a lot of funny commentary, like a running sort of commentary when people are going about. Man, look what this crazy person did now, you know, to us. And and there's one photo uh, Sam posted an hour ago of just a bunch of characters eating sandwiches all the time. So yeah, yeah, it's just kind of a fun yeah. commentary to to go along and play this game in, in like a group setting like that. One other aspect I like is that you can control your character's personality, who they're growing into. So you answer questions certain ways, and that'll affect the outcomes. Like, do you want to be nice about it? Do you want to fight back? What do you want to do? Yeah. And you build up points there, and and the game responds to how you're choosing to grow up. I haven't seen that matter in a huge way, but again, I'm only in year one. Like, I think right. that I think that it will matter. I think eventually, I mean, I, I, it is important to note. I'm pretty sure the game only goes up to year three at this point. Like, it's always intended to go the seven years of Hogwarts. Everybody said that, but you actually get a message, which again was posted in Facebook. Like, we're work. It's it's from the developer team, and when you get to the end of year three, you get a message that's like, we're working diligently to bring more Hogwarts mystery content shortly. Yeah. Thank you for playing. And so right now you can't, you can't like beat the game. You can get to the point where it hasn't been, you know, released yet. So I guess future years are still being developed by Portkey games and James city. And, you know, more content is being added daily. So I, I, I think, you know, at this point you're still building attributes. It will eventually, pay off but if you guys ever brought like a friend on a mission 
Because, like, now after playing Gobstones with Rowan, I'm able to, like, recruit Rowan to come on, like, missions, like, as an option because we passed a certain friendship level. And I think you'll be in year two, you're able to do that with um, Bill Weasley and in year three, Tonks. Yeah, I'm just interested. They actually have, like, some interesting ideas that are being, that are, like, you know, there's an option here where you go to a friend's menu and stuff, and it hasn't – I haven't necessarily seen it come to fruition, but ultimately I like it. Like it, it ultimately seems fun and, yeah. you know, it's it's calm and, and sort of relaxing to kind of just be in Hogwarts for five or ten minutes until your energy runs out at a time. Yeah. So let's talk about the energy. That's the one big complaint. Um, you have these energy points. And this is another thing about this game, which is like, meh. Most of the game involves just tapping certain tasks. Like right now, I'm tapping adjust stance. And every time I tap, that costs one energy. You're playing during podcast. Yeah, so am I. Well, yeah, I got it open right now just so I can How talk about it. How better to talk oh, yeah, about yeah. it than playing it while we're recording. Right. Exactly. Oh, yeah. Well, that's, that's, I got to open my game then. Damn. Yeah. Oh, come so. on. Um, and, the thing is, you run out of energy pretty quickly, so you can only really play for five to ten minutes at a time. It's it's I, it kind of feels like having like a Neopet, where like you're just popping in, you're feeding your character, you're feeding your pet, and then you're getting back out. Yeah. You pop into Hogwarts Mystery, you tap a couple times, you do a couple spells. Your you Tamagotchi pooped. You clean it up, and then yeah. you go along your way. And then to to pace you even further, so the energy limits you and how much you can do at a certain period of time. And then like your missions, you can only do so many and then I'll be like, you can do your next mission in another three, four hours. So yeah, you can't get really far in the game in, in one sitting. No, but I think that's intentional. There's probably other ways that they could have gone about it. That would have made for a better user experience than saying you need to wait a couple of hours and, need your energy to recharge or you need to make sure you collect enough gems so that you can buy more energy. That's, that's really it. The, the whole thing is um, when, when this came out and people were first experiencing the energy, I was reading some very negative um, feedback about how this is a, a devious plan to empty the pockets and wallets of Harry Potter fans worldwide. And it's just, it is what it is. You can pay for more energy. You can pay for more time. In-app purchases are the future of mobile gaming. It makes sense that there would be that aspect to this game. Mm-hmm. Um, but on the other hand, people say, well, I would much rather just spend 5 to $10 to not deal with this pay-to-play nonsense. And you know, maybe you get double the energy if you're just paying a lot more up front. And... That is a great point. However, I think pay-to-play is very profitable for these apps. I mean, in some cases, I think some of these apps are making hundreds of thousands of dollars a day, depending on the popularity of the game. I've read reports saying that. Um, So Mm -hmm. for me, I don't think I'm going to stick with this game. My boyfriend is like planning his day around it. Like, oh, if I do this in the morning, I'll be able to do it again in the afternoon. I'll have more time built up. <laughs> I I love him for that. And I love people who are able to like 
able to do that because that's yeah that's kind of what you it's like farmville like you got to come back and plant your crops and then in three hours right. you got to check on them and set personal alarms on your fitbit to like get back yeah, and, exactly but uh, that's not me i'm not that type of person i like paying upfront for a game like on my playstation yeah. and playing it for as long as i want not being limited and having having to shell out extra cash you can get like an entire green god's vault worth of jewels but it's like a hundred bucks um, and then who's right. to say how, how often that'll last? Like, I think people are being taken aback a little bit about, you know, the time limits. I did hear from, I think it was, uh, Alexis I was speaking to recently was like, you know what? I like that the game tells me to get up, go outside and do something and be active every five or 10 minutes because I need that reminder. Otherwise I would play for hours and hours mm. and hours and hours mm. and hours. But like most conventional video games, I do like the option to play for hours and hours and hours. And in this case, mm-hmm. it's very much not that. You know, I, I took three flying lessons and I had to wait five minutes and then I came back and then it had told me that I had done enough lessons for the day. Right. And I needed to wait three hours. And so it is it is kind of frustrating that when you, you know, because I'm not made of time, when I have the time to play a game, I'm invested. But this game is more limiting and and hides the ability or the option to play more behind a paywall. And that is really shitty. You could just explore for hours on end. <laughs> but, the two-dimensional well, left and right Hogwarts grounds. Yeah, everything it's not that fun to explore <laughs> for more than that's like five true. minutes. Um, <laughs> just joking around. But yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I'm playing right now and I'm trying to learn Rictum Sempra and I got as far as one star. I'm not even at one star yet. I'm looking right now. And that's the spell you're supposed to use to be able to embarrass Marula when you duel with her. I hate her. I'm just wondering, as you go from one year to the next, is that power allotment going to grow? So in, like right now I'm at 25. Mm. And that resets, I guess, after a certain period of time. So I get all those 25 back. Will it go to 30 or 35 or 50 as I go from year one to year two? I I can see myself answer, playing this through the first three years, maybe. I mean, I would at least want to get through year one. Yeah, right. The answer is yes, it looks like. Uh, a couple of people in the chat, April and Nicole. April says, uh, you gain more energy through the game. I am up to 27 energy. We all started with 24. And Nicole says, yeah, with every past flying lesson, you earn one more energy limit. Oh. So Eric, those should be paying off for you. Yeah, I got to open up my game and figure out if I'm yeah. at 27 by now. Um, we did. You can buy. You can spend up to a hundred dollars at a time for gems. No. You can spend nine hundred, not 900, nine hundred, nine ninety nine ninety nine on three thousand one hundred twenty five gems. Yeah. It, well, the gems then, there. Uh, there's gems you can buy, and then there's coins. I coins. think. Yeah. Yeah. Each of them do different things. Like I, I think I think ultimately that uh, Hogwarts Mystery is has received some of this criticism already because I opened the app the other day and was just given a hundred gems. Um, yeah, they sent that out to everybody, I think to, to just kind of ease. And so I got that. He's yeah. I was able to immediately redeem it for an additional five minutes of playtime, but then it was gone. Like I couldn't even buy a nice pair of shorts or something. Like it was just a (laughs) hundred gems does nothing. My Hogwarts character is walking around in a white T-shirt because I can't <laughs> afford anything good, and I don't want to spend the money on clothes. Like I don't really. I'd rather spend those gems on more energy than having a cool T-shirt or something. So. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. yeah, yeah. 
By the way, also too many push notifications. Like I don't oh. need two to three push notifications daily reminding me to play. I have those. Uh, although off, I do I like guess. the one that says Professor McGonagall expects perfect attendance. <laughs> <laughs> That's such a scam. That's just I like always, I don't get yeah. those though, Eric. Do you? I I've gotten I've gotten the Professor McGonagall one, but I was sure that I had turned them off. But I've gotten that one before as like a notification update and i was like man there are really like harry potter fans out there who are like oh my god i can't upset professor mcgonagall i gotta open up hogwarts mystery right away right um you know which is like fun but i i worry that it's it's trying to be addictive or like essential versus just fun and i i really i think it's a in-app purchases aren't inherently shady as long as you're clear on what the game requires of you, but like ultimately it does make for a very slow going Hogwarts experience, which is just fine by me. But like, this is a game I'll play casually while I can for as long as I can when I'm interested. And then I'll have to, I'll be forced to go away and do other things. I'm not going to be like $2 today, $2 tomorrow, $2 Wednesday. Cause that, that adds up. Yeah, I know. Cause um, I was very much like that with Pokemon go. And then, I found myself starting to purchase incense or other things that would attract uh, Pokemon. I haven't played that game. You don't really have to. I guess maybe the incense, but yeah, I haven't made a purchase on that game though. in in months, I haven't played it in months, but uh, I would go the same route, Eric. I I would play it casually. I I would, you know, whenever you have a couple minutes, pick it up and, and see what you can do. And it's, interesting that they don't have any ads built in because i would think that they would want to try and keep people on the game for as long as possible but it doesn't seem Mm. to be the case because the power aspect of it is such a huge deterrent i think that there is a real concern for people with impulse control issues for people with gambling habits for people you know who are quicker to spend money there's probably a an argument to be made there that this game is toxic yeah in that way um but it is what it is i think ultimately there's enough to keep me continue to play for now i'm enjoying the little bit of story the little bit of character interaction like for me it's just like oh it's a gear it's somebody else's year one at hogwarts kind of insight and the graphics are enough that i'm still interested right Micah, what did our patrons say? This was our question over at patreon.com slash mugglecast. Yeah, so uh, tried to pick a, a diverse set of uh, responses here. We got over 50 uh, comments about the game. Uh, mm. The first from Shannon Spicer, who says uh, that she's in year one so far. Uh, the energy is the most frustrating part of the game. I like to play while eating my lunch or in the morning before work, but I run out of energy before I can finish the task. Then I can't return to the game before the time is up and I have to start all over. The one thing I wish was different is the sorting process. I wish there was an actual quiz to sort and not just a, what house are you hoping for? I disagree with that point by Shannon, because ultimately you're going to be stuck in this game for a real long time. You might as well get the house you want. Don't pretend that you don't have a favorite house that you'd really like to be in. Right. <laughs> yeah, um, I agree. Or, or, or certainly even if you personally 
don't have a house and you really want to be sorted, especially like we did, I think we all kind of opened ourselves up to vulnerability by taking the Pottermore sorting test. What's it going to be? Answering those questions as truthfully as possible. This is a situation where you have an avatar with precious few clothing uh, options for non-rich people. And you're going to want to see your character in a certain color robe. And you're going to want to be able to go into a certain common room. Everyone has a preference. So I like the idea that it was just open-ended. You could just choose and get that over with. Yep. Ryan Hicks, uh, I think the game overall is beautiful and the graphics are fantastic. My biggest issue with the game is that you have to tap on random objects to complete a task, but you only have so many energies to perform that task. Uh, I understand in app purchases, but I feel like they made this a little ridiculous. Either you're sitting around waiting for your energy to build back up or you're forking out way too much money. It was a great idea, just not the best format. Yeah, I'm bummed when, I mean, you're sitting in a class, for instance, and the in order to complete the class, you have to click on everything that there is to click on. And each thing you click on is a task, and each task requires a different amount of energy points. I, I, I hate that it takes like three energy points to look around, two energy points to open your book, four more energy points to make a snide comment to Marula, and an additional two energy points to, I don't know, yawn or not fall asleep. And then when you get to like the final, like take notes portion, it's four energy points and you only have three left. Hmm. Like that's, that's garbage. Like it's, you're at the end of the lesson and you can't finish the lesson because you've spent all this time doing the other tasks that are like story beats. Like, oh yeah, she's still, you know, interrupt in inner interacting with your rival. That's a natural part of class. Harry does it all the time with Draco in potions, you know, these things that are like very organic seeming. Oh, you know, there's a bird flying around, you know, gotta look at that. These are all natural things, but the fact that it costs more energy than you have is a problem. And especially for the timing out issue that Ryan mentioned. Brittany O, I'm actually really enjoying the game, though I do believe this is because I didn't have a high bar. This is a mobile game for your phone, after all. I I always expected it to be just like any other free mobile game. The energy issue doesn't bother me like it seems to bother others. I just wish there were more things you could do that didn't require energy so that you could play for a longer chunk of time. I don't enjoy the story, but I do enjoy how the game progresses and I'm excited to run into some familiar faces. I'm finishing up year one and I'm planning to play through all seven years. Well, you can play through three for now. Well, a little bit of a different perspective there. Uh, Stephanie says, uh, as a total non-gamer, this game is perfect for me. I work 16-hour days, so my recharge Mm. time goes by pretty quick. Mm. Trace the letter V to cast a spell? Why, yes, I can do that. (laughs) <laughs> uh-oh what about an almost right angle nailed it oh, okay my video game skills are novice so this is right up my alley any interaction with the castle grounds and professors is really so much fun to watch i'm in for the whole game for sure yeah i do like how it directs you exactly where you need to go it's great for casual gamers like i don't want to get super invested in this game because it is just kind of basic so the fact that I don't have to think about what I need to do next. There's just kind of an alert guiding me. Yeah, that's helpful. I like that in this yeah, case. The quick travel thing where you could just click in the menu. Right. Yeah. Uh, Brittany S. Just got to year two yesterday. I feel like the energy is a little better now because they keep giving me the gems. I'll definitely play to year seven. As annoying as the energy thing is, the storyline is definitely interesting and I want to finish it. Hmm. All right. Heidi. 
Waste of time, obvious money grab. I feel so bad for the actors who did voice work for this because after about 10 minutes of playing, I realized it wasn't about a game at all. It was about gouging people for money. I deleted it as soon as I worked this out. Mm. One thing else I'll say to that is my I hate that the app is not even called Hogwarts Mystery. It shows up as Harry Potter on my phone. Ew, really? Hold on, let me look at this. Yeah, look at your iOS app. Like, Oh, uh, yeah, what the hell? Yeah, they lead with it because it's, it's Harry sweet. Potter Hogwarts Mystery, but on the main screen, it just shows up as Harry Potter. Like, that is such an obvious money thing. That is, ugh, like... Well, ugh. I don't, well I, they have to change that because, like, eventually there's going to be a bunch of these games, and why does this one get to call itself Harry Potter? Harry Potter, Potter right. They need to change that so it's called Hogwarts Mystery. Yeah. All right. Um, Final uh, patron comment here from Matthew Jordan and does a good job of breaking things down. I played most of year one and here are some quick thoughts. The pros, great storyline, very engaging in how you can choose your path and either warm up to professors or students or be a rebel. Love the customization of your character. I didn't expect to fully explore the castle, but what we can explore is totally fine for mobile. The cons, the paywalls must stop i would have been totally fine paying five to ten dollars for the entire seven years of unlock game but now i just play five minutes and have to wait for my energy to recharge this is a serious trend in gaming that must stop i agree with that i mean you're looking at like andrew said you're looking at a a trade-off if you're playing a a game on playstation you paid 50 or 60 dollars for it but just once and you have 40 to 80 to 100 to 200 i think uh Kevin was telling me last week that he sunk over 200 hours into Breath of the Wild. Um, and Micah, I know you have uh, some 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 comparable playtimes uh, for that game. But I'm like, a, I'm around that as well. Yeah, and and you you play it like you you pay once is the thing versus these tiny little microtransactions that are eventually going to cost so much more than the game normally would have for less content. This ultimately is not a free roaming Hogwarts game. Um, you, you can't do much. And I heard the criticism too. You don't actually learn how to play gobstones. For instance, the game is spent trying to distract your friends. So she loses and it just kind of, it's not advancing Harry Potter canon in a in a meaningful way. It's simply keeping us distracted and occupied long enough for us to get our credit cards out. I resent that you said I sunk 200 hours into <laughs> Zelda. <laughs> I me... <laughs> wisely spent and enjoyed 200 hours in Zelda Breath of the Wild. I'm so jealous. I wish that I had a Switch. <laughs> All right. Thanks, patrons, for those. To wrap up today's show, we have some voicemails to listen to. Woo. Hey, MuggleCast, this is Charlie calling from Boone, North Carolina. And I was thinking about what you were talking about, I think, two episodes ago in your eighth book, um, or hypothetical eighth books. And one of the things that was brought up was what would have happened to the Hogwarts castle after the battle. And I was just wondering if what you thought about some of the damage being irreparable from being cursed off by dark magic and or maybe what parts of the castle would have been left in its wrecked state to be sort of um, a memoir. <laughs> That's not the right word. Uh, what, what am I looking for? Memorialized. Um, yeah, sir. Uh, either way. 
like the the Potter's House and Godric's Hollow, left in its wrecked state, sort of as a reminder of what was and what had happened and what took place there. So, just your thoughts. Wanted to know maybe if some of the damage wouldn't have been repaired or couldn't have been repaired because of how it was damaged. Hope you all had a great week. Hope you all enjoyed the play, and uh, hope to hear from you soon. Thanks. It's a cool question. Like, did Hogwarts completely return to normal? Was there anything ruined permanently? Hogwarts Castle is a stone castle, so you would think most of it was able to be repaired between the fact that it's such a strong structure and, you know, we have magic, which could yeah, conceivably fix anything. Uh, yeah, I like the idea that there are certain parts that weren't necessarily completely returnable. To, like, they couldn't just cast Reparo and bring it back to the normal state as a result of what happened there. I also like the idea of there being a monument or a memorial somewhere along the grounds, a tribute to you. You see this uh, at war monuments as well, like a tribute to the people whose lives were lost and, and maybe even like a list of names, you know, I, I can see there being a, a plaque or a um, like a structure, like a monolith with everyone's name on it. Being yeah. placed somewhere along the grounds, maybe in a courtyard, by a by a, a fountain or something, you know, yeah, like that. And then in terms of the Potter's house, like if a monument was there, who knows? However, I'm glad he brought this up because in the Cursed Child, it's kind of there's this joke about how now guess it gets more tourists. Yeah, well, I think there and, is a mon- in Deathly Hallows. There is like a little monument. I was pretty sure. Yeah, like a little. Little marker. Oh, okay. Marking, right. and the, then there's the joke about there being a farmer's market there now, or something. I, I wondered if that was a reference to: is there more tourism because this is where the Potters died? Like, what exactly are they getting at here? Yeah, maybe. But I, I will say too, um, in terms of how much of Hogwarts was put back, I mean, it still has to function as a school. At the end of the day, they can't necessarily have entire structures that are toppled to the the sky or the ceiling is blown open. Um, you know, it has to still function as a school. So my guess would be that something like the Great Hall, the dungeons, whatever, you know, battlements and towers are probably most for the most part returned as much to normal as possible. And I think the question, you know, would they do any expansion? Would they do would they build more rooms? Would they build more things? Is always a possibility with magic. Um, but for the most part, all the functional areas that have to serve for the school are probably back to normal. And then they probably have like a, a monument off to the side. Here's a voicemail that responds to a previous episode. Hi, friends. It's Karishna from Philadelphia. Um, this podcast you guys were talking about, like, what you would have liked to see in The Cursed Child. Um, like, you know, before it came out, what what the story would be, and you kind of, you guys were talking about um, it's what, what you wanted to see in your version of the course. Huh? And everyone brought up a lot of good points, but um, I'm just thinking, like, where is Teddy Lupin in this whole thing? Because if we're talking about parallels, um, it would have been far more interesting to me to hear about Teddy Lupin as the main character of Chris Child rather than, you know, Albus and Scorpius because if you think about it, he really is the parallel to the Harry Potter series. I mean, who ends up an orphan, you know, who has uh, a godfather and who never got to meet his parents and whose parents died in a war 
Um, so I'm going to go to like journey with Teddy on maybe his journey to finding out maybe who his parents were, possibly finding out secrets about that. And um, yeah, I just think that Chris Child should have been all about Teddy. Whereas I don't even remember him being mentioned once in the Chris Child. I could be wrong, but if he, if he was mentioned, it had to have been very briefly. Um, so yeah, I'd love to hear your thoughts about that. I know this is kind of like be rambling, so I apologize for that. Um, but have a good week, guys. Bye. It's such a good point, and it kind of bums me out that I don't even think there's a single reference to Teddy in no. The Cursed Child. Not that I recall. Um, yeah, like like this caller was saying, our, it, it, the parallels are there between him and Harry Potter, and it would have been interesting. He could be The Cursed Child. He he lost his parents. Maybe maybe he wants a time-turner to try and bring them back from the Battle of Hogwarts. <laughs> that could have been more interesting, seeing the Battle of Hogwarts on stage, not going back to the Goblet of Fire timeline, just jumping back to Deathly Hollows. I don't know. That's what, a good point. Maybe is it possible that, that the scriptwriter and J.K. Rowling thought Teddy Lupin was maybe just too like inside baseball for the general Harry Potter audience? He's not more inside baseball than like Albus Severus as like a lead. But that's Harry's kid. Well, it's Harry's kid. But 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 Harry is Harry is Teddy's godfather. Like they could have still had Harry Potter in the play. Hmm. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. Like it should have been Scorpius, Albus and Teddy. Maybe. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Hugo is also erased from existence in this play. Right. For the most part. Yeah. Hugo Weasley. Uh, Yeah. Think but so. yeah there's a couple of blind blind spots there but mm-hmm. um i i agree about teddy the other thing about teddy that i heard recently i was recording an episode of Alohomora. he's raised by andromeda black tonks's mom his grandmother who it turns out was just like really really amazing um you know she's a great person who even though she was uh raised slytherin it, it like allowed her house to be used as a a refuge for harry in book seven um and ends up being the one who raises teddy along with harry potter and it really made me appreciate uh andromeda a lot more who we know next to nothing about so cursed child i would have liked to have seen more about andromeda black raising teddy next voicemail hey guys savannah here um you guys were talking about on your last episode about the um, what you wanted to see in a story if you had your dream AIDS story. What I kind of wanted to see was completely nothing we've seen at all. Like 20, 30 years in the future where we do not see any characters we recognize. Basically kind of like where we're going with Fantastic Beasts where we're kind of – you have a completely separate story. I want to do that in the future, and maybe like a name drop in the in like Professor Vibbins' classroom or something like that. Where it's like, and the infamous battle was Harry Potter, and that's the only reference we get to that. Uh, tying to the um Harry Potter series, but like a. Uh, 20, 30 years in the future. What's Hogwarts like? 20, 30 years in the future. Or even 100 years in the future. Like, there's so many ways you could go with this. There's so many years. Thanks. You. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> anyway, um, 
I wanted to include this one because I wanted to point out that this is what Star Wars is doing right now. They're expanding to timelines that we simply know zero about. Star Wars has Rian Johnson, who directed The Last Jedi. He's writing another film trilogy Mm. that is completely unrelated to anything we know so far. And so are the Game of Thrones showrunners, David Beninoff and Dan Weiss. They're writing a new film series as well. So this is where Harry uh, Star Wars is expanding to. And I wouldn't be surprised if one day down the road after Fantastic Beasts, after Quidditch to the Ages, the movie, uh, J.K. Rowling finally feels comfortable enough where she's handing the keys over to other trusted, renowned writers to go into completely different areas that we never saw before. Yeah. I just uh, the one point about Fantastic Beasts is is that's not really going to a time where we don't know anybody, especially now. It seems like the worlds are starting to come much, much closer together. Newt is obviously mentioned during the Potter series. There's a whole spinoff book that uh, was done that was supposedly authored by him. Uh, And now we're seeing more and more characters name affiliations with wizarding families that we knew about in the Potter series. So uh, I just don't think the the Fantastic Beast comparison is the right one to make. I think it's more so if you are going 50, 100 years down the line that it's a completely new story with no characters that anybody knows anything about. Uh, And so I, I just don't know, though, how successful that would be. I mean, for me, it's about an emotional investment. I want to know, I want a character thread, you know, to, to, to tie in because otherwise you're just reading about strangers casting Obliviate and Ridiculous and Expelliarmus. And I don't know how much a story would matter to me that was completely new if people are clearly in Harry's world saying Expelliarmus, you know, to each other and, and, and all that good stuff and wearing robes. That doesn't commentate yeah. on where everybody's been, what happened to Harry Potter, what the state of the world in Wizarding versus Muggle Affairs is at, you know, in the future. I would, it would need to be, I think, I want a Harry Potter story to always tie back into Harry somehow. You could do a Harry Potter story without Voldemort. You could do a Harry Potter story without Harry himself necessarily, as long as the legacy of like his, his life is touched on. Um, and I, th- I think that's what Fantastic Piece is doing with Dumbledore and Dumbledore's legacy. Yeah. Plus, we all kind of knew Newt and Grindelwald, of course. Yeah. Um, but we'll see what happens with these Star Wars movies. They could inform what happens for Wizarding World, the Wizarding World franchise in the future. Yeah. If I mean, they do well, the Wizarding World, Frank Warner, Warner Brothers can look to them. My favorite thing about Star Wars so far is in Rogue One, uh, the monk character played by Chirrut Imwe who, or maybe that's, uh, no, that's his character name, Chirrut Imwe, uh, who says, I am one with the force, the force is with me. That mm. chant, like this guy who may ambiguously be able to wield the force, it's never confirmed. Having that sort of religious discipline to the force, which is something that runs through all the Star Wars films. Here's a guy who's not a Jedi talking about the force, and it's amazing. So like, I'm interested in those tie-ins where this is very much the same universe, but it definitely isn't your normal story but it still connects and ties back. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, That's a good point. I mean, the plans to steal the death star, that's all people kind of needed to 
Yeah, like that's as much of a tie-in that you need. And then it's a totally different story, you know, like a one-off. I think it really, really works. One more voicemail today. Hello, Andrew, Micah, and Eric. This is Suman. I'm a very long-time listener, like 10 years or more. Um, But this is the first time I'm calling. I've tried to send some owls, but I think my owl is a lot like Ron's and it's not getting through. So I went the mug away and I'm leaving you a voicemail. Hey, you probably already know this, but if you didn't, Puff, the Broadway show, has been filmed. And Fathom Events is going to be showing it in movie theaters on May 9th and 12th. I live in the Las Vegas area, so it's definitely going to be showing here, and I've already got my ticket. Um, but I just wanted to let you know, I'm not sure if I'll ever get to New York to see it, so this is an excess thing. So I wanted to let you and all the listeners know, love your podcast. Keep it up the great work. <laughs> Thank you, Suman, I believe her name is, or Susan, hmm. uh, for your energy. I loved yeah. that voicemail. I had to play it. And I couldn't remember if we mentioned this on the show or not. Um, yeah, Puffs will be in theaters this upcoming week. So get your tickets, search, and then it's going to be available for digital download after that. Not immediately after, but sometime after. So that's probably when I'll be able to see it. I'm, I'm just going to download it and watch in the comfort of my own home. I just saw it last week live. Yay. Yeah, did you talk? You talked about it, right? I must. I must have mentioned it. Yeah, but I, yeah, I, think, I think if you did. have a couple of friends you can go to the movie theater with um, in your hometown, whether it's Las Vegas or anywhere else in 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 the U.S. that's doing these Fathom events where they actually stream into the movie theater. It's kind of cool, newfangled technology uh, to do that. But yeah, <laughs> I, I know the Regal here uh, does it, and um, there'll be some opportunities. It's uh, it's it's good to go and see. Newfangled technology. Ugh, it still blows my mind that it's not still on a. I mean, I was a projectionist for a time, so it blows my mind that it's not like film, film. But mm. yeah, you would <laughs> be a projectionist. I can just see that. <laughs> I remember you telling us. About yeah, that. watching all the movies through the projector booth. Oh man, but um, but yeah. So that's really cool that uh, it is coming up this week though. So everybody, act yeah. fast if you're interested. I. As a Hufflepuff, it 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 didn't fix all of my problems uh, with being a Hufflepuff, but it is a very funny, well uh, conceived and executed story and play, and it it is funny. It's just good, lighthearted fun to go to with a couple of Harry Potter fans. Um, and I went with Katie and my mom, and my mom still found enough to laugh about. So uh, oh, that's good. I, I'd say it's good for all ages, uh, or not all ages, but all uh, walks of. Uh, here, all all layers of intensity of Harry Potter fans. Mm. All right. Well, we hope you, dear listener, enjoyed today's episode of MuggleCast. Check out our website, MuggleCast.com, to learn how to contact us, how to follow us on Twitter and Facebook, and how to support us on Patreon. Um, I want to also mention, I didn't play this voicemail, but somebody was looking for our Pig for Slaughter episode um we reference it all the time turns out it's one of those ones that's missing but no more it is now available we'll include a link to it in the show notes and we are continuing to work to restore the episodes that went missing they were old on an old server that they were uploaded to literally a decade ago now and that server is no longer in operation so we're moving those over um should be pretty soon 
going to be one of my tasks this upcoming week. So hopefully in the next week or two, we'll be able to say all episodes are back online again. Right. And the, you'll, you'll be able to tell the difference by the playlist links on the um, MuggleCast website. And uh, that was episode 116, if I didn't mention that already, that that Pig for Slaughter episode. 116. Love it. Yeah, so uh, thanks everybody who's listening live right now. Patreon.com slash MuggleCast is how you can support us. You'll get ad-free installments of every episode. You'll get bonus MuggleCasts. You will get access to our show notes, our recording studio, your name on a thank you page, an exclusive Facebook group where people are talking their heads off right now about the Hogwarts mystery game, (laughs) chapter readings, and... uh, so much more so thank you to everybody who supports us our patreon is doing excellent and the show is doing excellent thanks to you so thank you thank you thank you thank you it's <gasps> Eric, time for yeah what give us some quizich before we uh wrap up okay well last week's uh quizich question um or the one from the week before where in britain is the railview hotel located the answer was cokeworth and this is uh, the, the hotel that they are at in book one when Vernon and Petunia are on the run from Harry's owls. Um, so good, you know, exciting book one question there. Congrats to Sean Brady, who this time was the first person to answer uh, the question correctly to us via Twitter, where we accept our Quizich answers each week. And shout out as well to the winners, Jennifer St. George, Maria Kay, Hannah, Justin, Alisa, Megan, and Weensy, Vanessa, and Jess. Um, so congratulations to everyone. And this next week's Quizich question uh, is as follows. In their third year, meaning the trio's third year, in the trio's third year, what is the Carer of Magical Creatures exam? What does it entail? Thank you for listening. I'm Andrew. I'm Eric. And I'm Micah. We'll see you next time. Bye. Bye.